Hello. And welcome to the Betsy Betsy Boss Boss Podcast. Podcast. Welcome back. We are going to jump right in today because I don't think we need to warm you guys up. I think this tea on JonBenet Ramsey is piping Yes, it is. The kettle is firing off. Even 24 years after this crime occurred, people are still so invested, so engaged. People have their theories, and they will fight to the death to defend their theory. Yes. And we've seen so much enthusiasm, so much participation. Oh, my God. You guys have been amazing. Everybody's been incredible on social media. We've had people reaching out with crazy theories we haven't even heard of before yeah and you are really the expert on this so whenever something weird gets brought up I'm just over the moon about it (laughs) um and I just wanted to call out some of our lovely Instagram participants deserve a round of applause here they really (laughs) do um we have Megan Pioneer 420 you uh had some input on the fact that with the ransom note um, she thinks that John dictated it, but Patsy physically yep, wrote it. There's yep. just no denying that handwriting. Megan, <laughs> man, girlfriend, I feel the same way. I mean, that handwriting, you look at the shapes of some of those letters, and it's absolutely uncanny. Yep. And also, I mean, when I asked you guys, I reached out about what did it? Why, if you think that Burke killed John Bonet? Why do you think he did it? What motivated him to do it? How did he bring himself to do this? Megan Pioneer 420, you said that you thought it was pure jealousy, but at the Uh, same time, he didn't mean to kill her. She thinks he was jealous of her because of all the attention she got from Patsy. He probably intended to hurt JonBenet, but didn't intend to kill her. Yeah. And then, my God, we had so many discussions about the pineapple and the milk. Oh, my God, yes. Yes, this to me, okay, this is the thing that creepily stuck out to me so much and freaked me out as a child from the little snippets I saw on television, on the news. I just remember it being like, oh my god, this killer like lured her downstairs and fed her pineapple and then killed her. Like, (laughs) Unbelievable. Like, your little last meal there wouldn't be my choice. Favorite snack food of the 90s, pineapple and milk. Not cereal and milk. No. And Aubrey Fouts had the same feeling that the parents did everything to protect themselves Mm -hmm. and Burke from a big scandal, which as if, you know, these people aren't scandalous enough. They're out there on the news like a day after this happened, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And then we had Marketing Mix by Michelle said that the note makes it obvious it was a family member with what was written. Go back to the note. Yeah. Yeah, How it was written on a notepad that belonged in the house. The pineapple is so disgusting, she said. (laughs) She was super skeeved out by that. And then I have to also thank Glitter Gypsy. Oh, this, yeah, this deserves a special shout out Girl, you know your stuff, sister. I love this. I love people that just are like, Ah, rattle it off. all over it, and I I just absolutely adore it. Um, But she said, yeah, the handwriting's totally similar. The phrasing is female in nature. There's no way on earth that you could ignore that digested pineapple, which completely contradicts the original story that the Ramseys gave that she arrived home totally asleep, as we said, stayed that way all night. There's no way that there would be pineapple where they found it if that were the case. The other thing that um, Glitter Gypsy pointed out is that JonBenet's pillow was on the kitchen island. Okay, this is why I love this. I did not, I never came across that information. Incredible. Like, so oh my God. random. 
And that's where Ooh, the bowl that of pineapple me was. Even more. So creepy. This is also where the mag light was. Oh yeah. yeah. Um. So if Burke theoretically got annoyed at John Bonet coming down from bed and yep. interrupting his late night Little Christmas snack, snack yeah. he could totally be the one who grabbed the mag light, smacked her in the head with it mm-hmm. as she walked away, maybe just to harm her. Gypsy said, um, maybe he didn't even tell his parents exactly why he hit her right. and what he hit her with. And that's why it got left on the table instead of hidden away. Um, since the blow didn't break her skin, they definitely weren't able to tell what was going on with her skull just right. by looking. Yeah, there was, it wasn't like she was bleeding from the skull or anything. Exactly. So it would have been really easy for him to just have hit her yep. and had her fall down. Yep. Um, also, Glitter Gypsy had a lot of feelings about the huge defamation win that Burke had against CBS. This I'm really interested in. I have not looked I, – I watched the interviews I think I mentioned – um, with Dr. Phil and everything, but I have not followed up on whether or not he actually won. So yeah. this is interesting. This is very interesting. Yeah, so apparently he won $750 million wow. for this defamation lawsuit against CBS. <laughs> and CBS, Ooh. you know, Glitter Gypsy acknowledges, and I'll acknowledge, you'll acknowledge, that CBS did amazing research and investigation here. And for them to be kind of punished in this weird defamation suit... I don't know. It just it rubs me the wrong way. Also, John Ramsey himself got three hundred and fifty million from off this. that case off or that. off that that uh, series. Yep. Well, I I did know because I watched all of these when they came out. That was actually the CBS one was supposed to be I want to say a six part series, mm-hmm. and they got wind of this lawsuit beforehand. They actually trimmed it down to four episodes. Yep, that's beforehand. exactly what she said. Yeah. That they uh, sort of buried the last yeah. part. You can only find, like, the first couple parts now, and there's just, I don't know. Yeah. It's... It's... I it's love hinky. This. It's this, a little this hinky. Is, this is one of those cases. I don't know. I think I've, I've reflected on why I love true crime so much, and I think it's kind of the mental puzzle of it, and this case has all the mental puzzles you want to go through. Yes. And so I think that's what we're planning to do kind of here today. Absolutely. So... I think maybe we should get right into it. Yeah. Um, thank you so much again to everybody who's oh been participating yeah. online. It's been such a blast for us to read all your different comments. Um, we are just so grateful to have the participation, the excitement. Again, just want to thank Glitter Gypsy, Marketing Mix by Michelle, Aubrey Fouts, Zuza Kazarova and Megan Pioneer 420 specifically because you all have just engaged in the most interesting dialogue on here. We really want to keep that going as these episodes yes. churn out. This is going to be, we think, a tripartite oh my episode. I, yeah, <laughs> we and have way too much. We've gotten into it and we've just ooh, extended it further and further. There's just so much information to go through and so many yeah. theories and we're just so excited to do it. Yes, yes. So thank you guys again because... Like I said, like that new information about the pillow on the kitchen island or whatever. Like, I I just love learning more little tidbits. And I feel like, I don't know if we'll ever actually know what happened, but the more kind of little details that you do kind of glean from people, I think it it starts to put things together a little bit. So. So true. Um, So I think we thought it might be helpful to go through kind of a timeline of the events because we stopped last week on the ransom note. Oh, my God, yeah. (laughs) And there was so much to unpack about that that we didn't even realize we would have that be an entire episode. So we think it might be good to kind of catch everybody up on where we are, where we ended up last week, 
and talk about just the unfolding of the crime from, you know, that point forward until evening on December 26, 1996. All right. Yeah. So um, like you said, I think we're just going to kind of go through the timeline here and then really dig into it a little bit more. So we left off at the ransom note. So Patsy found the ransom note on the spiral staircase a little bit after 5.30. Um, Something that I've seen in a couple of these documentaries was that she found this ransom note. This Put this in the back of your mind right there. Uh Uh, Burke, in one of his interviews that was released during one of these documentaries in 2016, he's talking to a child psychiatrist, psychologist, psychiatrist. Um, They asked him, did you wake up? Did you, you know, kind of know what was going on? So I guess she read the ransom note, ran into Burke's room, like flung open the door to check that he was there after seeing JonBenet was gone, um, realized he was there, closed the door, and he just kind of pretended to be asleep and just kind of stayed where he was, didn't Mm. do anything. Um, That doesn't put him in the best light, does it? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that Burke is kind of... Little hanky. I mean, I do have to say that we put a poll on Instagram and it was who killed John Bonet. We had two options, Burke and Burke and Pink. (laughs) And 95% of you voted for Burke and Pink. That was 90 votes for Burke and Pink, five votes for Burke. (laughs) So either way, y'all think Burke did it. Yeah, so could we all just agree? Burke did it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so, okay, so... 5.52 a.m., she realizes Burke is still there, still a little pissed that he wasn't the one kidnapped. Classic. Um, (laughs) So she runs downstairs. She obviously had woken John up. Uh, 5.52, she has the 911 call, and she's very frantic. You can hear this online. During Mm -hmm. the CBS documentary, they actually did – they tried to kind of analyze this a little bit more, too, that maybe that's something we can – yeah, get should into we play it? Should we splice it in, you think? Or so do you think it's against the I rules? I actually was really trying to find the um, edited version that they created because the whole theory is that you can hear the whole 911 call and then at one point she's like, please help me, you know, whatever. And she thinks she hangs up the phone, but she actually doesn't. Oh. And the 911 dispatcher, you can hear her say, Patsy, Patsy. And in the background, the theory is that you can hear three voices. You hear Patsy, John, and presumably Burke being, saying, what did you find? And it's, but it's so hard to hear because like you're away from the receiver, like you're, you know, she thinks she had hung it up. Um, And I tried to find that actually on like YouTube or anything, and I could not find their edited version from that episode. So, um, but I'm sure, you know, if, even if you just go out there and kind of find the unedited, uncleaned up version, you can listen to um, and kind of decide for yourself what you hear. But it's very difficult to hear, in my opinion, um, what kind of happens when she thinks she's hung up the phone and then it's kind of, you know, whatever's going on in the background. Well, and even if. So, OK, the call happens at 552, Two. we said. Mm-hmm. So even if she's frantically running around, she thinks she hangs up, but she doesn't. And they are asking her, what did you find? Uh, do we think they're referring to the ransom note? Do we think they're referring to, uh, like, where would that um, yeah, line of evidence take us theoretically? And that's the thing, because if you if you go down the line of um, Burke did it and 
There's also a theory that Burke did it and doesn't even know he did it, where he hit his sister on the head, comes up, tells his parents, and they're like, okay, we'll take care of it and kind of usher him off. Right. And then the next morning, you know, they're all frantic or whatever, and then he kind of realizes, like, oh, she's been kidnapped. There's this, like, you know what I mean? And so it's kind of... um, it, it it's hard to decipher so yeah um the theory is that what is being said is him saying what did you find and then you hear apparently john ramsey saying we're not talking to you oh <laughs> <laughs> it's very difficult to hear though that's the whole problem like it's it's super difficult to hear and even when you clean it up it's not super clear on what's actually being said um, and a little boy's voice can sound very similar to a woman's voice. You know what I mean? So, Absolutely, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's it's hard to tell. But that goes into the whole theory of Burke throughout this whole case has said, I was not awake. I did not come down until when I get to the timeline. And I'll tell you when they kind of woke him up. Mm-hmm. Um, but that he stayed in his bed the whole time. I did not come down, you know, before the, this certain time. And that I wasn't there when the 911 call was made. Um, and that kind of any any point of lying yeah on the parents part tends to show that yeah if you're gonna mm-hmm. lie about that what else are you what lying else are you about? lying about yeah. exactly it yeah. starts to uh erode their credibility a little bit so yep. okay so we hang up the phone we think we hang up the phone yeah. at 552 whatever right. 553 and then what happens so then we call our, our good old buddies we call the whites we call Naturally, friends you the know whites as the we discussed whites. last week yes the home of the christmas party <laughs> fleet, fleet and priscilla, and priscilla. <laughs> white get on over here you. come over here <laughs> yes. we had a white problem that a we chap. need white assistance <laughs> yes. with so they call them and they stride over in a white horse (laughs) yes as if this story could not get any whiter (laughs) so all right so how quickly do they get their asses over to so so they get there pretty quickly they get there at 603 so 552 the call happens to 911 let's say even if it lasts a minute they get there, then they call the Whites, so that's 5.53. They're there within 10 minutes, essentially. Wow. Um, but just before the Whites arrive, and this is part of the problem, too, why this case is still so questionable, Tricky. Yeah, is that it's the day after Christmas, and so the task force that's on duty is not going to be your best and brightest. No. Let's just put it at it's that. It's probably <laughs> the graveyard shift. Yeah, it's, it's just the newbies and, you know. So... Right before the Whites arrive at 6 a.m., we have one of the patrol officers, Officer French, arrives. And there's two different um, accounts that he searches the house. We know that. But there's two different accounts. One of them is that he is searching for points of entry. Mm-hmm. So he's looking for anywhere that, like, oh, an, an intruder, intruder could, could have come, come through. The wine cellar, the reason one account says he didn't open that door was because there's a lock on the outside of the wine cellar facing you. Oh my so god! Why, and it was scary. locked. I didn't hear that account. So why would he open that? Because obviously there's no no intruder can lock that behind them after exactly. closing the door. Another it's not a point of entry. Yeah. Another account says that he opened the door, but because it's this creepy, moldy wine cellar, there's not good lighting in there. That he didn't flick on the lights, just kind of glanced in there, didn't see anything, and moved on. Like you said, not the best and brightest. Yeah. So we've Our theory holds water. Yeah, too. we've got Mr. French, French, French onion soup over there. <laughs> French's mustard. Um, Colonel Mustard. Yes. I. So here's a question. I had heard one report that 
and I forget which family member it was. It was either John um, or it was Burke. It must have been John because Burke was too young for this. He was only like, what, eight or nine, nine. years old at the time? Mm-hmm. So it must have been John or some one of the friends of the family, an adult, was like frantically pacing around or something. And they were like, give that person a job. Here we go. We're coming uh-huh, on. We're coming on. It. Okay. Um, so... Uh, so we're getting now in, we kind of skip ahead, um, to the seven o'clock hour when we have good old Burke is finally woken up, dressed, and he's taken to the white, the whites house. The whites. Yeah. Our useless son, Burke, who has literally been (laughs) sleeping on the job. Jesus. Why are you still alive, Burke? Why couldn't you have taken one for the team? They kidnapped the wrong kid, (laughs) Burke. God, how many times do you think they use that insult on Oh my God. Why couldn't you be more like your sister? Dead. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Um, So he's taken off at 713. He goes to the Whites. Um, Then we have 820. This, this again, is why just like, I don't know about this case, if it's ever going to be solved. They had victims, advocates who came, thought they were helping at 820. Classic. Cleaned up the kitchen. Oh, for fuck's yeah, sake. Yeah, they were like, what do we do? Oh, so let's, let's be helpful. Up the kitchen. They, they cleaned, cleaned up the up. evidence. Right. Any Anything that could have been left out there, you know, they they were just like, oh, let's put away the dishes. Oh, for God's sake. Yeah. Um. So then 1040, we have John. He's starting to get a little antsy. He goes mm. out to get the mail. Um, but I guess he was just kind of like going out what he said in this documentary was seeing if there was any other letter left elsewhere with more information about um you know when the ransom or whatever because we're already past the 10 o'clock ransom time yeah when they were supposed to call mm-hmm, eight to ten yeah did we mention that that they were supposed to call we they did in the last one yeah yeah so just to refresh your memory listeners um if you didn't listen to our last episode get on it but um as a quick <laughs> refresher um basically the quote-unquote kidnapper in the ransom note that was ridiculously long and in patsy's handwriting <laughs> mentioned that the ramses were going to receive a call tomorrow quote-unquote tomorrow right. this is the thing that like we can be technical here if mm-hmm. we want to right between right. 8 and 10 a.m now granted we discussed last yep. episode that we don't know what tomorrow means right. because this is a letter there was no specific well, date when provided was she kidnapped when was, was it she the kidnapped morning? was it the evening of the exactly. 25th yeah. so we don't really know when quote-unquote tomorrow falls yep but when 10 a.m. lapses, the time, the window of time that the kidnapper had provided has lapsed. Right. And they had already tapped the phone, everything, but nobody kind of reacted like you would assume. Like, I, even if I was not totally sure on what tomorrow meant, mm-hmm. when 10 passed, I would have I would have still been like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like that, my heart would have sank. Like, oh, yeah. I don't know. Um so finally, at 1045, we finally have the FBI arrive. Um, but then again, just at 1 p.m., so we're skipping ahead, mm-hmm. we're still left with Detective Arndt from um, Boulder PD. Mm-hmm. And this is here what you're kind of saying. Um, so she noticed that John was pretty restless. It's afternoon at this point. They've yeah, been up pacing, since 5 in the morning. You know, just, just fleeting around with fleet. Um, <laughs> and so she asks... 
uh, both he and Fleet to search the house from top to bottom to see if there's anything out of place. Kind of give him a task, keep mm-hmm. him occupied. Make yourselves useful and get out of my way. But also so be you're not stupid. And, and it's just like, where's the crime scene? Go contaminate it a little more. Oh, I know. Like <laughs> All of these mistakes. So oh my God. stupid. Really bad. No wonder. Yeah. So it's 1 p.m. Um, and this is something that a lot of people harp on. That she said top to bottom, he starts bottom to top. Oh, I don't know. I th- like those little it's an expression. Those little details. I can. I could go either way. Like I get it. Um, but so at one o four p.m., he goes Uh-oh. and uh, he opens. The, he's he's a little. He's looking for a drink. He opens the wine cellar and instead he finds his daughter's body. So what condition was her body in? Was she bound? Was she tied? Was she... So she had her hands above her head, um, and she was covered in a blanket, and she had the um, ropes kind of loosely tied around her wrists, but she also had this garrote, obviously, tightly bound around her neck, as well as duct tape over her mouth. Mm. And so he rushed in, flipped on the lights, found her, rushed her, up, rushed her body upstairs, which, again, like... A lot of people criticize, like, oh, my God, he contaminated the crime scene. But, like... What do you do in that moment? I don't know. If you're genuinely innocent and you see your child that you've been searching for for hours... You grab her! Yeah, you're going to be like, oh, my God, we found her. Like, get her upstairs and get her help. So he brings her upstairs. They lay her on the floor. And Detective Arndt realizes, you know, and kind of lets them know, okay, she's done. She's she's done. Uh, (laughs) She's done. She's she's gone. She's passed. Um, and then to try to be respectful, but still knowing at least enough about DNA and being an idiot, she puts <laughs> a sheet over her, but it doesn't cover her enough. So then they get this this hockey sweatshirt or something and put Ooh. it over her feet. So like, let's just contaminate it all over. Yeah. Like just let's just fiber it up before they even cover her. Patsy like throws herself on the body, like. It's it's a bad scene. It's not good. So No, not what you're supposed you know. to do. Yeah, we're already having a bad time here. And so uh, at 1.50, finally, the house is finally secured. I don't know if I mentioned this, but they only before this, did I mention this, um, closed off her bedroom as a crime oh, scene. Oh, no, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, they left everything else as open and not a crime scene. They only finally closed off her bedroom at like 10. Oh. 10.30 as as a crime scene and left the rest of the house open. So finally at 1.50, they finally were like, oh, wait, we should probably secure the rest of the house here. Oh, my God. Yeah. So it's it's not a good thing. Burke was then interviewed finally at 2.30 at the White's house by himself. He said he saw nothing, but he's also a little squirrely guy. So yeah. who knows? So going back to the incompetence of the, of the police force, they were ready to turn the house back over to the Ramsey family within 12 hours. Meanwhile, this is a 7,000-square-foot home that, as we said last time, is cluttered beyond the max. Like, it is is hoarders with money. Like, it's a bad, bad time. Luckily, the DA objected. It turned into an eight-day search. Great. But, you know, at that point, come on. All right. So, basically, we're done at what 10 p.m 10 45 10 45 so what was turned over besides the body from this search of the home i mean what evidence did we find we find on the countertop the pineapples 
So the pineapple was actually on the kitchen table with, and this, this, it's interesting because I, I know moms and I'm sure you do. Moms like Patsy. So there was a pineapple, a bowl with the pineapple and milk on the table and a bigger spoon. You know how spoons come with sets that like one is kind of smaller yeah. or even almost a like a, spoon or... a, a serving spoon that's a little bit bigger. The pineapples on the kitchen table with or dining room table with milk in it and this bigger spoon in it. Patsy and Burke's fingerprints are found on the bowl and the spoon. But Patsy in an interview is like, I would never make a bowl like that. That spoon mm-hmm. is too big for it. Like, and don't like, don't you know moms like that? Where it's just like, no, that's not how I would do right. it. That's we not don't its use proper spoons place. like that. In like, spite of the fact that your home is a cluttered mess. Right. You don't want to mix up the wrong spoon with the wrong We don't cup. use big spoons in pineapple in and our milk. home. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's not an eating spoon. That's a serving spoon. Like, <laughs> I don't know. So, yeah. So we had that. We had actually about 250 items of evidence that were turned over. Uh, funny enough, though, they lost the flashlight. Ooh, mm-hmm. interesting. Yep. So where was the flashlight originally found? I mean, what what was the connection between the flashlight and the investigation? Where was that turned over? How was it integrated into the theory or theories surrounding this murder? What, what do we know about the flashlight? Yeah, so there's a picture, actually, that was kind of the source of, like, this flashlight theory. There's this mag light like you said almost like a police flashlight that's seen on the kitchen counter and the whole family said i don't know whose flash it almost looked like because it was taken after the police came in um it's like well maybe it was one of the officers or something like that um all the family members said they didn't own that a flashlight like that they didn't know where that came from and the flashlight was I think it was um, taken into evidence, but it was subsequently lost. But it really came into play because if you take a flashlight similar to that and the head of it actually matches very well with the wound in her head. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So that starts to integrate the whole theory of you had this head wound to begin with and then the strangulation was what finished her off well yeah that's what i was gonna say why don't we start with now that we've gotten through our timeline why don't we kind of rewind a little bit and Mm -hmm. see what could have possibly happened so favorite dessert in the ramsey household is something i've never (laughs) heard of called pineapple and milk Ugh, Ugh. disgusting why would you ever apparently one of our um oh no way one of our listeners yeah so she had never heard heard of of that but for whatever reason god bless her um Megan Pioneer, one of our listeners um, on Instagram, mentioned that she actually tried this concoction oh my God. last Christmas <laughs> oh, so funny. in honor of Jean Benet, oh, which God. God bless you, Megan. Oh, I never my God. even thought to give that a try. Woo. Yeah. But yeah, so she actually had one with a nice cold beer, which God bless you. I'm sure that at least <laughs> washed it down a little yeah, smoother. Like you need a beer chaser for that pineapple and milk. For sure. <laughs> But Megan says beer plus pineapple plus milk equals bad idea. (laughs) And I can imagine it probably did not feel very good. It was not a Merry Christmas in your home, just like it probably wasn't in Germany's home. Yeah. So I have a I have a couple points on this one on this good old pineapple because it is it is a sticking point here. So the theory is that Burke was either still up, had made this or somebody made it for him, this little snack, or he made it himself. 
John Bonet, because clearly they both loved this pineapple and milk. <laughs> a uh, delicacy. <laughs> yeah, in this Colorado. Southern do- yeah, West Virginia, you know, Georgia. I don't even know where this comes from. She runs up, grabs a piece, and he gets pissed off, grabs that mag light, and just whacks her on the head. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of things spiral from there. Um, I do want to comment on during those 2016 documentaries there were some interviews with burke um with a child psychiatrist psychologist again i can't remember which it was Mm -hmm. but he was very awkward during these and they showed him a picture of that bowl and we're like what is this and he's like um i don't cereal and they're like no and then he's like oh and he gets very quiet and very like Oh. Like, it's it's just very eerie and weird. Like, I don't know. I, you don't know which way to go with this kid because he's a weird kid to begin with. Yeah, and he could just be a weird kid. Or right. he could be a weird kid that killed him, his sister. Yeah. But um, you know what? What I found interesting was just his general affect during those interviews. Yes. I oh, think I saw the 2016. Okay, yeah. yeah. And he was grinning ear to ear. Yeah. I just, I don't understand it. I mean... Granted, it's been 20 years at that point. You're oh, so you're talking about the Dr. Phil one. I think it was 2016. So th- these ones are actually ones from when he was nine years old oh. that they showed of him gotcha. before the Dr. Phil one. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, even as a fucking adult. No, I but mean, as the, yeah, the Dr. Phil ones, he was... Ugh, already was a, a weirdo. Yeah. It was a little unsettling to just yeah. kind of... Yeah, and just to see him as a grown man grinning ear to ear in that later interview i mean i i know it's been a while i know it's been two decades but you don't feel any kind of way besides happy and right now uh, that and it doesn't make sense and even just as a child to during these childhood interviews like they interview him again and ask him like what was mom doing like and he's like, mom was pretty frantic. Like she was, you know, like rushed into his room and was whatever. And they were like, Are, were you scared? And he was like, yeah, I was, I was kind of scared. So I just stayed there in my bed. And I don't know, just if I were me, just looking back at myself as a child, I was a very anxious child. But still, I just, I could not picture myself having that interaction where like your mom rushes to your door, throws it open, sees you, closes it, mm-hmm. and then just staying there for like five more how many more hours a long time because he doesn't get up until yeah a couple more hours yeah i think he got up at seven seven yeah you said yeah so so that's like two more hours yeah you know well yeah that of uh, just relaxing i mean laying there well yeah that just i don't know knowing me like i would have i would have made the run for it like you know what i mean or gone to investigate what was wrong like you don't have any curiosity about what's going on and why your mom's so upset i mean even if you're just selfishly concerned for your own safety oh exactly and most kids are selfish so like yeah yeah they're designed to be selfish so it's it's weird that he would think "Ah, i'll just go back to bed yeah it's all right i'll just pretend to be asleep (laughs) normal you know no big deal just me burke hanging out (laughs) um the other thing i did want to bring up too with 
good old Berkey Burke here <laughs> is he does have a history of striking his sister. Oh, dear. Yeah. Do you know what I'm going to talk about or no? Nope. Lay it out there. <laughs> so in 1994, he, um, and again, is classic mainline kids that he has a set of child golf clubs. Oh, my God. <laughs> so she's four. He's seven. And he gets annoyed with her. He has a golf club and strikes her in the face and actually actually uh hits her cheek so badly that she needs several uh, appointments with a plastic surgeon oh my god uh, repair that yeah so he definitely he's got a history of beating her up yeah he's he's got some some anger issues going on there wow Um, so when we're going to burke too with the evidence and everything looking at the autopsy the theory is that a stun gun was used on JonBenet on her neck and somewhere else. A stun gun? At what point during the whole process? And this is a thing that I don't know if it's a stun gun because during the CBS um, documentary, they didn't do it on a child, thank God. Ooh. They had an adult that they requested to stun gun and see his reaction. The theory was that a stun gun was used... I guess when the perpetrator snuck into her room to subdue her, to kind of calm her and, you know, get control over her. When a you, six-year-old? Well, when you watch this man, this grown adult man, get shocked with a stun gun, he doesn't... Go down right away? Like, I don't know. It, 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 I never really thought about it because, yes, the marks line up, but the actual act of stun gunning someone... Like what's your stupid? Is it really going to subdue them or is it going to, you know, alert them and wake them up and make them kind of react? So I don't know. But one of the theories, too, is (laughs) again, I can't stop saying it, but so mainline that in their basement, they had Burke's train room. Oh, my God. His little model train room. So he already was familiarized with the basement. Oh, he knew the basement. He knew it well. He and the basement um, were best friends. But he had a a bunch of his tracks, his train tracks, if you take them and kind of pull them apart, the prongs on those actually match up perfectly with the Really? Stun, but which also makes it weird too because what Yeah, who would what why? Like what's that? What, but you what's know what that says there? to me too is that those markings match up to a lot of things. Yes. Like yeah. if there's these two That's marks that match up with a stun gun and they also match up with little kitty train track, <laughs> you know, markings, then they probably match up to a lot of things and maybe they were just lacerations from the strangulation or other parts of the crime. Oh, or, or just some other object that we don't know about or just hasn't kind of been thought of yet because I'm not convinced. I'm just not convinced that a stun gun was used on her. It just doesn't make sense to me. That does not make sense to me. Another another item of, you know, kind of question there is there was this boot print called a high-tech boot that was found um, next to her body in the mold, kind of like the gross Ooh. mold in the wine cellar. Gotta love a basement. Ugh, yeah. Well, lovely wine cellar. I don't know why they call it the wine cellar, too. Well, I, yeah, was there wine in there? I don't even think there was. I oh. think it was like a future plan. They wanted to make it a wine cellar, but it was this moldy, like, they they had some random presents in there that they were hiding for family. and That's and like referring like to yourself as a mold. doctor before you graduate from med school. Like, yes, it's yeah. the wine cellar, yes. but there's not a single <laughs> bottle of wine down there. Park in the wine cellar with a candlestick, with a train track. <laughs> 
That also matches the stun gun's markings. Yes. Hmm. A game of Clue. Colonel Colonel Sander. No, right. what was Colonel it? French. Colonel French. French. There we go. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they were told that this boot print was found. And you can see it clearly. The high-tech, like, name on the bottom of the boot print was found and very visible. And they claimed that they didn't think Burke had any of these boots, but he might have. Mm. They weren't found in the house. Um, and they thought maybe he had taken them to one of their other houses. Was they- it child-sized, the boot print? That's the thing I always – I cannot find the definite – I don't – it was it was a partial boot print. So the thing that was most visible was the, the – It said high-tech on the bottom of the boot. Got it. So that's how they were able to very much identify that. But you would even think the ridges and stuff like that would be different in right. different sizes. So I don't know. I, I, I haven't been able to find, like, a definitive size for that. And I've seen other sources, too, that say there was another shoe print found that was, like, an orthotic shoe. Oh, dear. Like well, you know, Burke wasn't wear. wearing orthotics. <laughs> Maybe he was. He was a weird kid. Do you have the gout at age nine, Burke? Because but I have the doubt. <laughs> I have some doubts. I'll tell you right now. So, meanwhile, and you might be waiting to get to this. Yeah, re- re- redirect us here. So, you spoilered, or you, like, winked at a spoiler last time, and you um, told me that there was the poop stuff. Okay. Yes, and I am dying to get to this okay, poop stuff. Yeah. Give me the poop. You're dying for Dookie. I'm dying for Dookie, man. (laughs) Okay, so Burke had a lot of emotional issues. They found a book. I should have written down. We should have copied the name of it. But there was like a parenting book that they found um, in the parents' bedroom or somewhere that was like how to deal with kind of your obstinate child. Like your, you know, whatever. How um, funny. How much more written in stone. They could have had a book called How to Deal with Your Murderous Wench of a Kid yeah. Who Wears High-Tech Boots. Right. It was Burke with the golf club in the basement. <laughs> How to deal with your flashlight-wielding, golf right. club-swinging infant. Yeah. Jealous little, little boy. Um, yeah. So he – so I don't think we mentioned this last time, but Patsy went through – a couple rounds of she had ovarian cancer that came back. That's actually what she ended up dying from. Um, I want to say around 2000, 2000. Yeah, I remember when I she... don't know. In the early 2000s, she eventually died from that. But she um, first was diagnosed in the early 90s. And this was when Burke's booty problems first appeared. Uh-oh. And it's it's kind of understandable in a, in a way. It's very concerning. But during her first bout with cancer, he would smear fecal matter. What? All over his bathroom. Get out of here. And how old was he at that point, you think? So Jean Bonnet would have been, it would have been around the time with the golf club, maybe a little bit before. So he would oh have been six, seven. Wow. Um, and this this whole fecal and also the wedding, the bed wedding, he also had extended bed wedding issues, can also be a sign of abuse. So we had that kind of. And he didn't John Bonet wet her bed also. Yep, yep, and that that was the whole theory of why Patsy killed her, was that she had had it with another bedwetting night and just kind of like wailed on her. Yeah, and just kind of like slammed her head on the bathtub or something. I have something too about um, so that Burke not only would smear poop on the walls, 
but he would smear it in JonBenet's bed so, on her candy yes. box. So this, he would leave his poop-filled yep. PJs on her floor. So this was what I was um, going to get to. So um, that that was when Patsy, like when he was younger, that was the first episode of any poop business with Burke. Um, but at the time of JonBenet's death, when they kind of investigated in her room, they still found poop. He had smeared poop on some candy, like you said, in her room, in her mm-hmm. bed. They found some pajama bottoms that were presumed to be Burke's because they were too big that had poop in them in her bedroom. Um, and it's just a messed up sign of something going on. That's yeah. Not right. Apparently the housekeeper, I'm just pulling this report up now. The housekeeper recalled a time when she actually found, and this is a quote, fecal matter the size of a grapefruit yes, in, in her bed right on the sheets of jean yep. bed yeah yep. what the fuck yeah like that is concerning very much like, so very concerning what is going on and the bedwetting thing does really concern me just because it's so clearly, if you look back through so many serial killers, not saying obviously he's a serial killer or anything right. like that, but, but a just lot of people who have the capacity to commit. well, but a lot of them go through traumatic childhoods, and one of the McDonald triads is bedwetting, and which is kind of a clear indicator of something's going on, something's not right there. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It's you know who knows. I don't know. All right, so there's this um, report that in 1999 there was DNA evidence that was um, submitted to the Boulder County District Attorney, and it was the foreign genetic material that was found in JonBenet's underwear after the murder. Mm-hmm. And this evidence was said to clear Burke um, or other members of the Ramsey family of any wrongdoing. And basically, in 2008 the district attorney ended up exonerating the whole Ramsey family right. based on this material. That's where I want to go. Yeah. Is it? Yes. Oh, good. So basically, they said that the DNA belonged to a male, but that it wasn't from any family member. But there were other camps or other uh, schools of thought that felt that the evidence wasn't enough to clear the Ramseys. And in fact, using today's improved DNA technology – this forensic scientist was worked with, a DNA expert was worked with, actually the same DNA guy who worked um, on the O.J. Simpson trial um, to study whether or not this type of evidence could actually prove that this was an outside intruder mm-hmm. versus a Ramsey family member. Right. And apparently it couldn't. Even though, you know, Jean Benet's underwear did have this foreign um, product, this foreign genetic material it might have held on to some transfer DNA from the manufacture process. Oh, this we're getting into this next episode. But oh, I, that, shit. But I do have comments on the DNA. Mm, so, oh, bring it so on. So the same, the DNA was found, and we're going to get a little, like, it's hard to talk about, obviously. Like, it's a child that was murdered and clearly molested before she was murdered. Um, it's not a, Pretty you know, topic. nice thing to talk about. But, um this DNA, there was DNA found in her underwear that was commingled with blood that was her blood. The same DNA was found on the rim of her long johns that she had on and also under her fingernails. And 
the DNA was determined to be um, of a white Caucasian male and it the family was ruled out but the DNA that uh, DNA testing that was used at the time used much less markers than we kind of do now mm-hmm. so it still is kind of in question as to whether or not the family could be totally ruled out like they were during that time. Mm-hmm. But so like we said, the, the whole theory is that Burke was jealous and he was the first child of this, you know, new marriage between Patsy, who was the showgirl, you know, pageant queen and this wealthy businessman. And he was the apple of their eye. Then, and he was a little bit of a dud, like, you know, he's yeah. not, you know, he's kind of quirky. This apple quirk, had some bruises. Quirky Burke, yeah. yeah. <laughs> had a worm or two. <laughs> yeah, he was. Quirky Burke. Yeah, he was a quirky Burke. And then Patsy gets, she hits the jackpot. She gets her living doll, John Bonet, that she can, you know, is exactly what she wanted. And so maybe this is something we'll post or, or you know, you can probably find on your own too, but this is the transcript from the letter we i know families that do this too that do these like yearly updates oh their yeah Christmas of course cards. and they're always painfully oh, annoying it's just like, we enjoyed a year of yachting you know whatever <laughs> but look at the difference and it was much i couldn't find the original that i found somebody scanned it Here's Burke's little paragraph. Here's Jean Benet's paragraph. Oh, so <laughs> just eyeballing busy. this, <laughs> yeah, like, there is Jean Benet's paragraph is double, double the length of Burke's. Yeah, a little fill you in paragraph. <laughs> yeah, Burke's had his thumb up his ass. Yeah, for Burke the last is busy year. in third. <laughs> Should we read? Let's do it. All right, I'll read Burke. You could read Jean Benet's. Let's then. do it. All right, so we have our typical like. You know, John is so busy, blah, blah, blah. And then we get to Burke. Burke is busy in his third grade year at a new school named High Peaks. It is a core knowledge school which accesses high academics and personal achievement. He loves it. (laughs) (laughs) Kardashian, he loves you. He loves you. (laughs) He continues with Boy Scouting and the piano. This winter... Uh, he is the tallest guy on his basketball team. Way to go, Burke. <laughs> Achieving oh, in something. Good job, Burke. Uh, summer on Charlevoix was spent taking golf and sailing lessons each day. Burke is quite the sailor. And then we get on to John Bonet's oh, novel. Oh, my God. Let's wanna... read this novel. Here we go. Here's Johnny B. All right. Wanna... Jean Bonet, too, had a busy summer in Charlevoix. She was crowned Little Miss Charlevoix in a pageant in June and spent the rest of the summer riding in convertibles <laughs> in, what? in various hometown parades throughout Michigan. She performed a patriotic tap and song for her talent. She and Burke both won ribbons in several decorated bicycle contests. Okay. Um, where's the entry? Because I want in. In October, Jean Benet became Little Miss Colorado. She rode on the bit. Wait. On the good oh, ship. She rode on the good ship lollipop float during the Boulder Christmas Parade. Grandpa Paul <laughs> built the float. Wow. Nice. She waved and sang all along the parade route. She also takes piano, violin, and drama classes. Meanwhile, Burke only takes piano. Right? <laughs> busy little pre-kindergartner. Busy mom hauling her around. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, it's concerning. So you can see 
the clear favoritism and Burke kind of being, you know, dethroned there when little Jean Benet came along. Right. So I don't know. It, it's it's hard to say. But the thing that intrigues me about Burke, the theory is obviously that mm-hmm. he did this, whether he knew it or not, his parents shielded him from it or not. They covered it up. Mm-hmm. And the theory is that they were like, all right, well, we got to protect the one child we still have living. So we don't want him to go to jail. Meanwhile, which they couldn't have known this. Um, he was young enough just by several months that he could not be tried as an adult. Yeah, as a nine-year-old? Yeah. Oh, my God. No, but there's, at, at ten years old, there's some... There's some statute. Some that... statute where, like, it could have been a much harsher penalty. But the, the thing that I find so interesting, and I would love to see the full documents if they were ever released, was um, the grand jury trial that was convened. It lasted actually 13 months. Holy shit. Can you what believe a this? Nightmare that must have been. Yeah. Uh, disbanded in October of 1999. Obviously, they don't meet every single day, but of course. still. Still, that is a long time. That's a long time. time. They, thought, they saw 30,000 <laughs> exhibits of evidence. Whoa. Like, it's insane. Um, and how can you even keep all that straight? Right. And over that time period, too. Oof. Like, it's a lot to take in. But the grand jury came back and they didn't indict them for murder, but essentially kind of concealing and not um, aiding in the conviction or prosecution and investigation of this crime. And that's so true because they really did hinder any kind of investigation yeah, we that didn't was even done. Get they into were, this. And yeah, and we didn't discuss this much, but at every turn, the Ramses were combative. They wouldn't necessarily freely provide information no. to the police and to um, interviewers, to whomever was trying to get to the bottom of this crime. They were very secretive. Even when you see Patty Patsy interviewed, um, she's consistently combative. She consistently will be seen kind of throwing her hands up and saying something to the effect of, well, I didn't do it, so you guys are just going to have right. to get back to work. Right. Or I didn't do it, so yeah. you're going to have to go back to the drawing board. The, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I don't care what, you know, the results of tests X, Y, and Z say. I'm innocent. Yep. And, you know, just in a very sweeping way that somebody who was entirely innocent wouldn't necessarily take on. Yeah. Yeah, and it just... But the thing I think that I would love to know is whether or not these charges, because they never go to, they don't release the portion, so they release some of the documents, they don't release the portion that says who they were kind of aiding and abetting. And so could these charges be brought against a child or could they not? And I think that could be kind of the key as to whether, like, the grand jury seeing 30,000 <laughs> exhibits of evidence, mm-hmm. like... I feel like that could kind of be the key there as to whether or not they think it's actually Burke that did it or is it somebody else that the Ramses kind of aided and, you know what I mean, kind of hindered mm-hmm. the investigation for. That's an interesting point because you can't aid in a crime for somebody who didn't commit a crime. Exactly. That's what I'm like. If they can't charge this individual with that, they can't charge you with that. Mm-hmm. So like if they can charge an adult with that, they can charge you with that. If right. they can charge a child with that, they can charge you with that. And so I, I it's wanna, a connected yeah. crime. It's an A and B part. And, exactly. You know, yeah. Without a perpetrator, you can't have 
certain crimes. Aiding certain, and abetting. Certain, yeah, convictions or, or um, arrests. On that note, I think we're all set with this episode, this portion. We're going to leave you hanging <laughs> on a cliffhanger with this episode, which mostly provided evidence against Burke. Um, either knowing that he killed her or striking her and through that it's an inside yeah yeah inside job yeah exactly so next week we're actually going to provide the alternative discussion that an intruder or somebody who just was not the Ramses committed this crime and we've got plenty of evidence for that as well and we might have you even questioning the side that you're on and I want to hear the responses to next week, especially. I want to hear to this week and then next week, too. You know what I mean? It's just going to be interesting to see kind of what people think this week. And then after we do next week, just kind of the responses to that. And just for any of you conspiracy theory uh, people out there, I am going to pull up some random out there. I don't think before heard conspiracy theories they may not be good ones but they'll be interesting that's exciting (laughs) and if you all have your own theories or if you have conspiracy theories that you've heard of that hold water oh my god i would love it please 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 send them our way you are so great and enthusiastic and exuberant this week let's get some of these theories going so that we can really have an interesting dialogue oh my god for next week i would love it and like i said again like some of the comments where it was something i hadn't heard before if you have anything because obviously this case is huge and we can't cover everything and there's Mm -hmm. stuff we've left out and are going to leave out because it's just so big um but if there's anything that you kind of want to add in even in the comments and anything um i think that would be great just to kind of put as much information out there because that's what I would love to do is just kind of have everything in front of you as best you can and then kind of make a decision from there. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Betsy Boss Podcast. If you'd like to find us online, we're on Facebook at Betsy Boss Podcast, on Instagram at Betsy Boss Podcast, on Twitter at Betsy Boss Pod, and our email is BetsyBossPodcast at gmail.com. Also, Betsy Boss is now on both iTunes and Spotify. If you like what you hear, please rate, subscribe, and comment. Thanks again for listening. (laughs) 